0: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds, a podcast with Matt Kelly, founder and editor of Radical Compliance. Today's podcast is the Potted Plant podcast. In it, we deal with the recent Second Circuit Court of Appeals decision in HSBC versus Moore. In this case, a federal district court had ordered the release of a redacted monitors report in the HSBC Money Laundering Deferred Prosecution Agreement, Based upon the request of an interested citizen, both the Department of Justice and HSBC appealed this order, and the Court of Appeal supported their decision in overturning the order. It was a complete, total, and utter rejection of the Court of Appeal's position that it had anything, it has any power over a deferred prosecution agreement. It is a very interesting decision for those who are looking for transparency in the DPA process. It's a complete uh, overturning of any opportunity for transparency. Most interestingly, one of the Court of Appeals judges concurred uh, with the court's decision, feeling he had no choice based upon the law, but stated the prosecution retained sole discretion to decide if the corporation adequately complied with the agreement allowing the prosecution to act as prosecutor, jury, and judge. He went on to state, I respectfully suggest it is time for Congress to consider implementing legislation providing for such a court review. It is a fascinating court case. Matt and I take a deep dive uh, into a legal opinion for the first time, into the weeds. I certainly enjoyed preparing and doing it, and I hope you will enjoy listening to it. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds, the potted plant edition. Compliance Into the Weeds is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox again, back for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds with Matt Kelly, founder and editor of Radical Compliance. Today, I'm going to appeal to my inner lawyer, Geekness, because we are going to go into the weeds in a recent Court of Appeals, Second Circuit Court of Appeals decision entitled HSBC Bank versus Moore. In this case, or I guess it's United States versus HSBC and more. Uh, This is a case that uh, tangentially uh, affects compliance officers because it was a monitors report from the HSBC DPA that the court allowed limited release of or redacted release of that HSBC and the Department of Justice objected to. The Court of Appeals went through and basically just legally, or excuse me, mowed down every legal argument that a party or a court would have to have any, for a court to have any jurisdiction over a DPA and really just foreclosed any judicial review of a DPA, any judicial review of a monitor's report, any public review of the monitor's report and anything else that a court might have to do with a DPA. So, Matt, um, I guess we can take this from from several different ways. I guess I was Mm -hmm. really stunned that the Court of Appeals just slammed every argument made by the district court. There were three points that the district um, district court utilized. Uh, to have some jurisdiction over the DPA. One is a general supervisory power. Two was that the defendant and the prosecution invoked the Speedy Trial Act to avoid going to trial in the mandatory 70 days. And then the, uh, uh, court, the district court held the monitor's report was a judicial document that gave the district court jurisdiction over it, gave it jurisdiction to both read it and then to release it, and the Court of Appeals just uh, destroyed every one of those arguments to the point where uh, one of the arguments the district court made was it was going to have to, uh, at some point, if HSBC met the obligations under the Deferred Prosecution Agreement, dismiss the case, and dismiss the case based upon, uh, the legal term was with leave of court, which means by court order, and the Court of Appeals said, District court, you don't even have any jurisdiction over that, even though the uh, Rules of Civil Procedure says by leave of court. So this really leaves district courts, as um, the judge pointed out in this case, uh, as a potted plant. That's how much uh, authority they have over DPAs. So whether you see that as a good thing or a bad thing, uh, that's where the Court of Appeals lay now. So kind of sitting looking at it from your side of the fence, how do you see this?
1: Well, I got to say, I am almost surprised that the appellate court did not have a post-it note on this decision to the district judge saying, and don't let the door hit you in the rear end on the way out. Um, I, you know, there are, I have a couple of different hats here as I think about this and depending on which one I'm wearing at any given moment, my feelings are mixed. Uh, As a news reporter, of course, I am disappointed because whatever would be in this monitor's report from HSBC, good Lord, that would be some juicy stuff. Um, HSBC has had terrible compliance program problems for years. Uh, you name it, they have run into trouble for it. Um, my personal favorite was when their then chief compliance officer resigned live in a Senate testimony hearing in 2012 when the bank was under investigation for money laundering with one of the Mexican drug cartels and uh, their then compliance officer was testifying and he resigned right there so there would have been a lot of stuff anyways they had AML problems they were involved in the mortgage crisis they were involved in this that and the other thing um I do remember reading somewhere that the report in question was 1500 pages long um So, you know, it's it's, for, for, I suppose, what some people might say is prurient interest only. I'm disappointed I didn't get to read it. That said, for compliance officers and those people who we are trying to help in the compliance community, this is probably a good thing. Um, This would have been a very uncomfortable precedent for, I think, a lot of companies working under DPAs that the monitors report might become a public document, Uh, and let's be honest, that is going to air some probably very dirty laundry. I could see that leading to increased civil litigation or plaintiff lawyers just bugging you in some way, shape or form. Even if they don't really have a case that could win, you're still going to burn through billable hours responding for a while and so on and so forth. Employees would get to see it. The public would get to see it. So compliance officers probably would not really want this sort of document out in the public. I will say that um, to your point there, this was a pretty definitive shutdown that there is no role for district courts to oversee DPAs at all. Well, like as an American, uh, you know, as a person who is perhaps somehow victim to corporate misconduct from time to time or as an investor, we all have a stake in what companies do. And to say that we don't get any view into what these companies are doing to earn their deferred prosecution, that's a bit unsettling. Uh, This was a pretty stern rebuke that basically, to my reading, the the appellate court was saying that there is no prosecution because it's been deferred, so therefore it's not even in the court's ball to review it, so why are we wasting our time? And like I said, I'm surprised that post-it note wasn't there to tell the district court, you know, don't let the door hit you on the rear end. Uh, You have to wonder, shouldn't there be some sort of judicial oversight of this process somewhere along the line and we've now seen three or four different cases like this where federal courts have tried to exercise some oversight and generally that's going to mean they don't like the terms of some dpa or some agreement that's coming up and now this is i think at least two or three or four that they've all been shot down at the appellate level so i i don't know what that says about the process overall and how behind closed doors it is but it's not in an open door that's for sure
0: well, the Monitor's report, uh, or at least the, the summary that was sent uh, to the court, indicated that while HSBC was acting in good faith in uh, developing an effective compliance program, the Monitor believed in certain instances progress had been too slow, that there was a substantial mm-hmm. amount of work uh, to be done in implementing written policies. The um, Monitor's report specifically called out one HSBC uh, employee for uh, failing to uh, implement appropriate compliance programs within the organization. And f- frankly, if, if a court can't enforce those uh, failures, uh, I don't think they can be enforced if the Department of Justice oh, is not going to make a change.
1: Yeah, really, it would be up to the executive branch to see that these things are carried out. And, uh, you know, again, we all have to wonder these days whether the leadership of the Justice Department and the Trump administration, are they really serious about enforcing FCPA law and holding companies' feet to the fire when they have a DPA? There are plenty of people who would say that even in the Obama administration, which uh, prosecuted vigorously, uh, there are plenty of people who would say they only got these settlements. How really tough were they? And there's all sorts of books and critics out there who are saying that the FCPA and other forms of uh, corporate conduct law really should have been much more vigorously enforced. And they weren't or they were done behind closed doors. And uh, I know that there is that book out there, The Chicken Shit Club. I'm sorry if there are any junior compliance officers out there who (laughs) didn't like the language, but that's the name of the book. Uh, Really accusing the department during the Obama administration of going very soft on banks during the financial crisis and nobody was held accountable. How would you see that people are being held accountable? Well, you'd see it by opening up the DPA process a bit more, and this court has just now said that that ain't going to happen. And this is New York, and this is where all the banks are, and this is where a lot of corporate America is. And so there are a lot of DPAs that would, in theory, be reviewed by the Second Circuit, and the Second Circuit has just showed that that is, that's not likely to happen anytime soon. And as I said, I I don't want to lose track of my point. There's many cynics out there who would think that if you entrust Donald Trump's, uh, lieutenants to enforce the FCPA, they're never going to be serious about it. And this closed process would be a great way to be unserious about it, and we're never going to know.
0: The um, One of the interesting things about the opinion was there was a concurrence uh, by Judge Poole, and he specifically called on Congress to uh, attempt to remedy this. He acknowledged that DPA's were uh, both proper and desirable he uh, spoke to the possibility that an indictment could uh, deal a death blow to a corporation with collateral consequences for blameless employees and shareholders but as he uh, read the dpa or the law regarding dpas now He found that the prosecution exercises core judicial functions of both adjudicating guilt and imposing sentences with no meaningful oversight from the court. And really, Matt, it's that last point that uh, gives me both pause and trouble with no meaningful oversight. Um, I just, um, there has to be some way to have some type of oversight. And I don't, at this point, uh, have not gone quite as cynical as you on the, the current, uh, Sessions Justice Department. Nevertheless, um, uh, for the past two Justice Departments, including both the Bush Justice Department and the Obama Justice Department, I think that having some type of meaningful ju- judicial oversight is a key component to making the entire system run correctly. It's, it's the whole checks and balances thing. And that, um, if the district court cannot have any freestanding supervisory power to monitor uh, the implementation of the DPA, or even now it appears, the ability to object to the closing of a DPA when the parties come in and ask the court to have it dismissed, um, it's uh, uh, never going to see the light of day and there'll be no transparency. You know, I agree
1: entirely. And in fact, I will give. The Trump administration, um, some benefit of the doubt here that I am not necessarily saying we should be cynical, although there are many people who would, but uh, this closed-door process gives the opportunity for cynics out there to assume the worst about FCPA enforcement in the current administration, and you can't really prove them wrong because we've got no idea what is going on with these DPAs. Um, it is fair when other people out in the FCPA world, uh, when they do point out that very few FCPA cases actually go to trial and reach a decision, you know for corporations, not necessarily individuals. But we don't have much case law like that to understand what is a good FCPA corporate defense. Ah uh, you know, and this judge is correct that Congress probably should step up and give more guidance here and um i will be cynical about congress i don't think that's going to happen because this congress can't tie a shoes on a a good day but um that would be wonderful if the elected legislators of this country actually gave the executive branch a bit more guidance on what they want to do and ideally i think give the third branch of government at least something to say in this process um what did also strike me is this whole conversation we're having here would not exist in the United Kingdom where DPAs are still new, but one of the reasons why they were so new is because the judiciary there was up in arms over the idea that they might become rubber stamps like they are over here, and for a lot of these consent decrees and DPAs, You know what? The judges here are pretty much rubber stamps. Um, Over in the UK, the judiciary keeps a much closer eye on this and judges will not hesitate to butt their nose into an agreement if they have some questions about it. But I I don't see that happening in the Second Circuit anytime soon because this is a pretty firm and sweeping rejection of all of that.
0: I think your use of the term rubber stamp is incorrect because that would imply that someone made a conscious act to do something. And I don't think the district court even has that ability. Um, They're not
1: even allowed to pick up the stamp.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, let me go back to one of your earlier points because I've been thinking about this a lot from the compliance officer perspective. And I think that uh, the compliance uh, profession and compliance practitioners actually might want to go the other way on this, Matt. And the reason I say that is, in compliance, there are no trade secrets. Everybody knows how to do compliance. It's not a. There's no secret formula. Nobody's got the secret sauce. Every company is obviously different. But I think that if the monitor reports were made public, either in redacted form or uh, if uh, there were some type of protection given to them being, uh, from being used in ancillary litigation, it would greatly enhance the knowledge of the compliance profession on how specific problems were addressed in corporations that obviously had, had violated the law. And I think that's a very, uh, can be a very powerful teaching lesson, uh, teachable moment and lesson learned for a compliance officer. And that that compliance officer can then use that as precedent to take to his or her management to say, this is how HSBC did it in the situation that they were under. We're obviously not HSBC. We, uh, we're not uh, paying this fine and penalty. This could happen to us. But it's also a way that we now have seen resolved with both a company under uh, monitorship and at the end of the day under DOJ sanction, if not district court sanction. So I actually think compliance officers might want to go the other way because the the source of information would be, uh, I think, a a really an excellent resource.
1: Uh, You know, it's a beautiful theory. And I agree with it, uh, especially if we could get some sort of immunity from civil litigation that might otherwise stem from disclosure of the monitor report um uh, then again i'd also like to be an astronaut and i am not sure which one of those outcomes is more likely because i just i don't see that happening it would be wonderful if it could and i wholly agree that there's probably an awful lot in there that would be very useful for compliance officers and a lot of good teachable moments Um, You know, as much as I might pick on HSBC, we should also be cognizant. It spends a lot of money on compliance. It devotes a lot of people to compliance. They are trying their best. And I've known some people at HSBC over the years, they are not bad people. But there's still just an awful lot of um, mistakes that would be, I think, exposed that uh, here in the real world, they are going to probably wind up fodder for civil litigation if that ever came to pass. And I just, I don't see that we're going to construct the vision you have, which is a very good vision, but we are where we are.
0: So it's uh, I would say it's a fascinating decision, but uh, I guess uh, we probably will not be having any more conversations on these types of decisions because I can't imagine a district court going another way. Now, we've had three uh, court of appeals decisions um, slamming the, the district courts uh, in the tail and putting a, a post-it note saying don't come back. So um, for that reason, it's probably noteworthy, but I doubt we'll be able to talk about this much in the future, Matt. Uh, on,
1: you know, unless we see some multi-jurisdiction scenario where a report becomes public in some other form in the UK or Canada or somewhere else but not here, which should still make it for a good, juicy reading, but no, I I think this might be the end of the road for this idea.
0: Well, Matt, as always, it's been a fascinating discussion. I love to go into the weeds on a court of appeals uh, or any type of legal decision, so uh, it's been a ton of fun for me.
1: All right, Tom. Thank you.
0: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I hope you would rate this podcast as it will help in our rankings and help get the word out about the only podcast that takes a deep dive each week into a compliance and ERP related topic. Also, if you have any questions, please email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com or matt kelly at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. And I hope you will join us again for another deep dive into the weeds of a compliance-related issue.